This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hey everybody, just jumping in before the start of this week's show to let you all know that I am super excited. I get to be in Portland on Sunday from 10 to 4 at Gem Studio. I will be leading the mother's journey there with all the local folks, as well as those mamas that are making the trek from up here in the Seattle area, as well as around the state of Oregon. I am so excited to hold space this coming Sunday for the circle of mamas that show up ready to go deep and to dive into the places that are really barriers keeping us from being the connected, conscious parent that we want to be. I am honored to get to guide this work. And if you are interested in finding out how to get yourself to Portland, or if you'd like to join me in Boise on November 4th, head on over to joyfulcourage.com slash mother's journey. That's www.joyfulcourage.com slash mother's journey. Sure do hope I see you there. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, episode 114. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and information on the parenting journey. I am your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer and parent coach. I am, as always, super thrilled that you're listening in. Be sure to stay on after the interview. I have some really special offers and calls to action that I do not want you to miss out on. If you find yourself laughing, taking notes, and or excited about what you hear on the show today, do me a favor and pay it forward. Spread it around the world. Share this episode with your friends, your family, your neighbors, strangers, and all your social media. Your sharing is the reason I'm able to show up for you each week, and I am so honored to do so. And don't be afraid to take people's phones and actually show them how to subscribe to the podcast. My guest today is Sarah Rosensweet. Sarah is a peaceful parenting coach. She lives in Toronto with her husband and three big kids, ages 9, 13, and 16. 
Sarah helps parents become the parents they want to be with a non-punitive connection-based approach that feels good and is helpful. Sarah is certified by Dr. Laura Markham as an AHA peaceful parenting coach. She helps parents to enjoy their kids again. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Casey. Thanks so much for having me. You are so welcome. Will you please share a little bit about your journey of doing what you do? Sure. So I um, found this approach. Actually, I didn't even know that it was an approach when I started doing it when my first son was a toddler because I found that everybody all of a sudden, you know, I'd worked so hard to meet all his needs and, and, you know, be the best mom that I could be. And then when he hit the toddler age, I found all of a sudden people were saying things to me like, don't let him manipulate you and you've got to give him a consequence. And it just felt so crazy to me. Like it felt like all of a sudden we were supposed to be on opposing sides. So I just did a little a journey and found some, some, at, you know, now I think this approach is getting much more common, but back then 15, 16 years ago, it was, a it was a bit unusual. So just found some differing voices and magazines and books and I kind of just took it from there and then um, you know raised my kids this way and then about three years ago I decided to make it my profession and I got trained as a parenting coach and um, I've just been so happy to be able to help parents um, really be in connection with their children and really just build a relationship and and I know you've got older kids too Mm -hmm. and I think now we're really reaping the benefits of having teenagers that we love to be with and that we can trust and you know know that they've become really really great people not that they never make mistakes but right 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 you know it's 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 real (laughs) yeah it's really I mean it's a lot of work on the front end Mm -hmm. but then you really um you get your payback as they get older yeah I totally feel the same way and I really appreciate what you said about gosh the people the, the the voices of don't let them manipulate you as mm-hmm. if a two-year-old somehow has superior skills yeah. <laughs> in, in getting what they want, right? And yeah. Um, yeah, it's just bonkers to me. And you're and I am loving my big kids. I am loving 11 and 14. And yeah, it's still, there's eye rolls. And I think the biggest, the hardest part about parenting the kids as they move into adolescence and teens, in my experience so far, is just navigating my own fear, yeah. It's not so much that they are showing up one way or the other. It's more just about like, oh my gosh, that that letting go and being okay with a bigger practice field for them. And you know what I always say? It's like um, having teenagers is like taking a leap in, into the dark. Yeah. Um, you just have to kind of hope that everything that you've done up until now, you know, they're going to make good choices and they'll come to you if they have problems and because you can't control them, you know, know. they're they're And this is their, this is their safety net years where they still have you to fall back on, but pretty soon they're going to be adults and they're going to be out there in the world. So, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And you have a driver, you have a 16 year old. Is your 16 year old driving a car in it's the world? A, it's <laughs> in Canada. You can only get your learners when you're 16. So oh, he's still driving with us. You Canadians, man. <laughs> I wish we could take some lessons because my daughter <laughs> is on a countdown to 15. Cause that's when she gets to just start taking you know practicing yeah and just like oh my god quit telling me the countdown but <laughs> yes leaping in the dark definitely but today we're not going to talk about teenagers we are actually talking about the other end the beginning right and how to support our children in welcoming a new sibling into the home many of us 
parents, myself included, get caught off guard by the emotions and the behaviors that can show up during this time. So what we're talking about, listeners, I just made a huge jump from one thing to another, is really (laughs) about... You know, we have a maybe a two or a three-year-old or maybe older and, you know, we either decide or surprise, new baby enters the picture and, and some really interesting dynamic shifts show up there. So this is what you're on to talk about, Sarah. So let's just start, start like with broad strokes. Um, why is this an interesting topic to you? And why do well, you find I think yourself that you, talking about I it? think that you already touched on it, which is that it's, we're caught off guard. Um, we're so excited about this new addition to our family and we're so happy about um, having another child. We've had, you know, we love our first child so much and we're so excited to grow our family. But to our first child, this is actually a really horrible thing. Yeah. Um, and I love this story of, it's actually from the um, Siblings Without Rivalry book, the old classic. Yeah. Um, they, the authors say, imagine that your husband comes home one day and says, darling, our marriage is just so wonderful and I love you so much that I've decided to go out and get us another wife. And the new wife comes home and she's younger than you are and she's, you know, cuter than you are. And, and everywhere you go, people say, aren't you lucky? Look at her. And she's so cute. And, you know, I think that it's easy, easier for us to understand when we think about that analogy. Um, Because for our older child, they do feel replaced. They Mm -hmm. do feel that we've gone out and gotten a younger, cuter model and they wonder, um, do they still love me? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what is at the root of what we're talking about is that um, that feeling of grief that every older child experiences. And I don't think that it's actually something that we talk about enough um, mm-hmm. or that we that we recognize because it's so hard for us to imagine that um, that this is something that's not a happy occasion for our older child. And, and it's so hard for us to be there with them in their mixed feelings, because that's really what it comes down to. They have mixed feelings. They, you know, of course they delight in the baby and they laugh with the baby and the baby smiles at them and watches them. And, and so they've got all this, you know, pride and love and joy, but also really on a deeper level, they wish you'd never had that baby. Mm -hmm. Um, They miss when it was just, um, when they were the only apple of your eye and when they got all of the attention. So I think that's really at the root of it. You know, we, we are caught off guard because we we aren't expecting those big mixed feelings and we aren't expecting the grief. Yeah. Well, and something that I really wasn't expecting, even though I had read about the mama bear syndrome and the tendency for parents to push the older child away. And, you know, at that time, my daughter was two and a half, and she had been, like, literally in a sling on my breast for two and a half straight years. <laughs> and yeah, and I just thought, there's no way that I'm going to want to push this little brand, you know, this, my baby, my girl, the girl that made me a mother away. And then I had my son, and it came on strong, you know, and not, I mean, it was... It, it was more just like it wasn't so much pushing her away as it was here is this brand new human that mm-hmm. I get to keep alive and mm-hmm. fall madly in love with. And then there is this lumbering, gigantic, seemingly gigantic, <laughs> right, toddler who just seemed to get so clingy and so needy and can't you see that I'm just – and so that dynamic shift I know, in retrospect, I learned, was also a part of 
um, of the behavior that showed up in our relationship? Well, I think it can be really shocking. I mean, I think it's a two-part thing. I think it's, um, you know, I don't have any evidence to back this up, but my sense is that it's an evolutionary thing that if you, um, if you didn't have some sort of feelings of, you know, I remember my first child, he he all of a sudden didn't smell as sweet and his skin didn't seem as soft and he just didn't seem like my baby anymore. Um, But I think that you would be in danger of rejecting your, your next child if you didn't have that um, sort of like that biological drive to push them away from you a little bit. Um, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but that's sort of always sort of what I, what I put it down to is that we need to, um, we need to be able to bond with the, with the baby. And if all of our heart and body are taken up with the first child, there's not enough room, um, for that bonding with the second child. Um, but I also think that, um, I, I know that I experienced this and I think a lot of other moms that I've talked to have, um, have agreed that you do, you have a a deep grief for that loss Mm -hmm. of that, um, intense bond. I mean, not that your bond goes away, but, but I felt a loss when I realized that, you know, that he didn't smell as sweet and his mm-hmm. skin didn't seem as soft. I was really sad. Um, and I was really blindsided by that. Um, you know, when I had my third child, I, I kind of knew to expect that. So it wasn't as hard, but mm-hmm. I think that, that, you know, not only do the first child grieve a bit, but we also grieve a bit for that only that one and only intimate relationship. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think it's very scientific. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just call okay, it science. Okay, I'll publish a paper on it. Perfect, perfect. Um, but I think I think it's also um, really a good opportunity for us to just look at those feelings mm-hmm. and be and really, um, you know, you can use that as a way to just, it, it won't, if you, if you look at those feelings, you won't be so surprised if all of a sudden you feel your temper rising or you mm-hmm. feel that you have less patience if you do get in touch with those feelings and kind of look at where they come from and, and take a moment to feel them, I think that they won't come out as exasperation as much if we do recognize those feelings in ourselves. Yeah. And just another opportunity, right, to recognize that what is happening internally for us is typically <laughs> influencing what's happening externally in our relationships. And, you know, just another lesson in the parent journey that our kids bring us really. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So what are some typical behaviors um, in your work with families? What are some typical behaviors that uh, clients bring to you that are showing up when a new baby is introduced? Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener 
go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Okay, family. so two yeah. two big things: um, regression mm-hmm. and aggression uh, is what I see a lot. So regression is really, really typical, and don't worry. Like if this is happening to your child, really, really don't worry. If they regress, if they, you know, are toilet trained and they start having accidents, or if they're um, if they were sleeping through the night and they start waking up again, is completely normal to regress. And what that is, it's a response to overwhelm, mm-hmm. um, and the child. Your, your child literally doesn't have the same capacity to be able to, to manage everything that they were managing, you know, a month or two months ago. So um, really just tell, you know, it's it's one of those, this too shall pass moments. Mm-hmm. Um, be as patient as you can, you know, don't make a big deal out of it. And especially don't say, you're a big girl now, or you're a big boy now. Um, you don't, <laughs> that's what's causing this is that they know that they're, a big girl or a big boy, especially, you know, in comparison, the baby. So you really don't want to press that because I mm-hmm. think that makes it worse if you're insisting, you know, you should be able to do this. Um, just really take that time. Um, and I know this is hard advice because we're often so overwhelmed with the care of a new baby and less sleep and all of that stuff. But baby your older child as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pretend they're a baby, rock them like a baby, you know, pretend to breastfeed again. Um uh, you know, sing baby songs to them, really, really indulge that babiness mm-hmm. because that's what's going to let them um, feel nurtured and feel like they haven't lost their special spot in your heart. Yeah. Um, and, and don't be afraid that you're stifling their independence either because I really believe that children have such a strong drive for independence that um, that they will, when they're ready, they do everything they need to do for themselves. 
And if they're asking for you to do things for them that you know they can do, it's because they need more nurturing and more connection with you. Just like, you know, if they were tired, you'd give them a nap or if they were hungry, you'd give them some food. Um, so really, really just keep that in mind that regression is normal and, and as much as you can indulge it and, and help them and pretend they're a baby, that will help. Um, and then the other thing that, that you sometimes see is aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, and aggression really comes from fear. So the fear that they're unloved, unwanted, unlovable, been replaced, um, all of that stuff. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about the emotional backpack, mm-hmm. but they're literally acting out their bad feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the acting out is really they're acting out the bad feelings. And the, the cure for that is more connection and more empathy. Um, as much as you can realize that my child is not giving me a problem, my child's having a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, turn turn that around and look at them. You know, this misbehavior is a message to me. Someone said to me the other day, misbehavior is a mystery and we have to find out the cause of the misbehavior. So they're really just trying to show you their pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as you can respond with empathy and, and up the connection with them, um, I think that really helps. I love that. And so I teach positive discipline and we, um, and it's based in Adlerian theory, which is behavior is movement in the direction of belonging and significance. So one of the quotes that gets passed around in my community is misbehavior is really mistaken ideas and beliefs mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. how to belong and how to know that you matter. So in the, con- and this is one of the places where we love to use the example of new baby to kind of drive that home. And it fits perfectly with what you're talking about. And that is, you know, everything's great. I'm an only, I have everything that I need to feel secure in my belonging and significance. And then new baby is in the world, in the home and, you know, older child, you know, use, so we move from perception, which is, oh my gosh, everybody's busy with this baby to interpretation, right? Meaning making. And a lot of times there are two, or three, and that's their life experience filter that mm-hmm. they're making meaning with around, you know, I'm not important, just like the things that you were saying, I'm not connected, and moving from interpretation into belief to belong in this family, you must be the baby, and then some choices from that belief could be, you know, act like a baby, which the regression, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or get rid of the baby. aggression or there's a third that um can happen which is you know be a super helper which I always laugh when I teach that in parenting class I'm like I don't know how many of you had that person but I didn't (laughs) you know but apparently they're out there and then you know in those moments even though you know they feel clingy and and this is what I'm hearing you say yes they're regressing or yes they're they're aggressive but really what they're asking for in the best way they know how is to reestablish that connection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and little people are not very good at figuring out how to get their needs met. No, nor, I mean, teenagers are still working on that. <laughs> yeah, well, we all are to some, totally. to some extent, yeah, I think. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So, so, um, so I love to talk about it at, in the context of shifting their beliefs, right, about where, mm-hmm. how do I fit? in this family. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hear you talking about as well. So let's talk a little bit. You mentioned their emotional backpacks. So um, what are emotional backpacks and what does it mean 
um, around, like how can we support them with that concept? Um, sure. So um, emotional backpacks are, okay, picture you've had, um, you're having a terrible day at work. You know, your, your boss, um, you know, it says you did the project wrong. Maybe one of your coworkers says something mean to you. I don't know, you know, grown up stuff, whatever happens at work, you've had a bad day. Um, you're going to put all of those feelings into your metaphorical emotional backpack. That is, you're not going to sit at your desk and cry Mm -hmm. and process those feelings right then, but you're going to kind of sort of shut down a little bit until you can get home. Um, and when you get home, if you're somebody who's pretty good at emotional processing, you might talk to your partner, you might go for a run, you might, you know, meditate or write in your journal, you might just, you know, have a have a little cry about it, but you'll do something to process the feelings. If you don't, um, you'll stub your toe, you know, an hour after you get home from work and either burst into tears or start screaming and swearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the feelings coming out that you haven't processed. So um, that's the emotional backpack. Basically, it's where we put our feelings when it's not safe to feel them or process them. Um, and you know, your kids at school or at daycare or something, and they do the same thing and they don't feel safe to process all their big feelings. So they wait until, you know, how many people do you know, or this happens to probably happen to you when your kids were little, they come home and have a meltdown, Mm -hmm. um, because they've been holding it all together at school and waiting until it was safe to let all those big feelings out. So that's what the emotional backpack is. It's a place where we park all of our difficult emotions until it's safe to let them out. Um, and if a child doesn't feel that it's safe to let them out or they're not given the opportunity, I mean, this is a whole other podcast topic, but meltdowns and tantrums are how kids process their feelings. Yeah. Um, re- remind me to come back to laughter because you can also process, process through laughter, but those tears are healing. Um, and when the meltdowns are coming up, that's the feelings that are bubbling up out of the backpack to be healed. So if your child, you know, if you tell your child, don't cry stop that, you know, be a big girl. Um, it's nothing to cry over. You know, often they're not crying You know, when they cry over something little, like you, you've cut the toast wrong or the, those are the wrong socks or something that seems really unreasonable to us. Mm-hmm. It's actually just feelings from the backpack coming out. Um, and that they needed something to cry about to get those feelings out. So as much as you can welcome those feelings, like every time your child is getting upset about something, you remind yourself, um, this is this is her backpack. She's mm-hmm. she's emptying her backpack. These are the feelings that need to come out and just welcome all of those feelings. And what happens, and this relates back to what I was talking about with aggression, is if a child's not regularly given the opportunity to empty their backpack, um, they can become explosive. Mm-hmm. So the, the 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 feelings are just held in there so tightly and packed down, and there's like a layer of anger on the the top level of the backpack is is anger and. And it just comes out at, you know, the the unexpected moment, just your child can lash out, um, throw something, hit, bite, you know, any of those sort of toddler up uh, aggressive behaviors. And that is a sign to you that your child needs more opportunities to um, empty their backpack and they also need more safety. They need more connection with you so that they feel safe enough to let the harder things out, the, the tender feelings that are underneath the anger, the the sadness, the vulnerability, the jealousy, mm-hmm. the the fear um, that are that are in the backpack. So I am I'm going to go back to something you said at the beginning. So great, 
those moments. And listeners, I hope you caught that, right? When they're crying about something that seems like no big deal. It's not about the socks. It's not about the toast. It's about all of the stored emotion that they've been hanging on to. And this is the, the piece, right? The entry point the or the exit point, I guess, where they are letting it out. And Absolutely. I, I think that that's so great because I think we get into a um, a loop inside of our minds like, oh, my gosh, it's just toast. And mm-hmm. what does this mean about my child? And they can't, you know, <laughs> I mean, we like have this crazy self-talk. And I think that that is what fuels us when when parents, you know, well-meaning, loving parents might be like, oh, this is not a big deal. You don't need to cry about this. And or when we Casey, when we yeah. go to great lengths, like, oh, let me cut that a different way or let me, yes. you know, the whole song and dance, we're really robbing our children of the opportunity to feel all of their feelings and to to express their feelings. And so really, you know, that's where there's so much talk today about um, permissive parents and, mm-hmm. and helicopter parents. Mm-hmm. And it really I think that all comes from being uncomfortable with your child's difficult emotions. Yeah. So you go to great lengths to pave the road in front of them. Maybe, you know, maybe you only have an hour a night um, when you come home and you between, you know, uh, daycare and bedtime and you don't want that hour to be spent with your child crying and unhappy so you'll go to any lengths to you know make them happy you can have this I'll do this for you you know you could picture the parent jumping up and down and like yes grabbing different things and and, but really that is actually robbing your child of the opportunity that they're looking for to cry Mm -hmm. and they need to cry Mm -hmm. yeah thank you for bringing that into the conversation because I think that that is so 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 important and then but then you mentioned processing through laughter so what does that look like so what that looks like is um, get your child laughing every day, especially if you have a child who is prone to anxiety. Um, and, you know, any when we look at children who need sort of this extra, extra boost and that you got to really have your parenting game on mm-hmm. is kids who are strong-willed, uh, sensitive, or anxious. Mm-hmm. Those are the three areas that I see where you really have to put extra effort into helping them process their feelings. So get your child laughing every day. Um, you know, the... Larry Cohen's book, The Art of Roughhousing, is fantastic. If you feel mm-hmm. like roughhousing challenged, that's, I think, the sort of easiest way to get your kid laughing is to do sort of a roughhousing game with them. And it doesn't have to be wrestling. That's why I love that book. There's all these different games, physical games that you can play with your child. Um, you know how people say, I could laugh or I could cry? Mm-hmm. Um, that's because we can process emotions through either of those things. So as much as you can get your child laughing, Um, the less crying they'll have to do. So Mm -hmm. if you know your kid's got a lot of pent-up emotion after a day at daycare, get them come home and do 15 minutes of laughing with them. Really get them laughing, and you might not have to get the meltdown. Yeah. Can we jump forward a few years? And what does this look like with, like, school-age or adolescent kids getting them laughing? Is Um, there tips in the art of roughhousing? (laughs) You know, I think... I, I would not want to try and roughhouse with either of my boys. They would just crush me. Um, you know, I still do. My daughter is, she'll be 10 next week. Mm-hmm. And I still do. One of our favorite things, our nightly rituals is I make her into food, which if you don't know what I mean by that, like um, uh, there's a book called Pete's a Pizza. I don't know. It's a great book by William Steig where they make their child into a pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to put in your show notes, I can send yeah. you a fun video definitely, of that book. Definitely. Um, 
anyhow, so you actually like lay your child out on the bed and, you know, rub them out like dough and you sprinkle the sauce on and the cheese and, and they just laugh so hard. And so my daughter's almost 10 and she still loves to do that every day. And she really, really gets laughing. And I think with kids who are older than that, you, as you get older, you get what much better at processing your feelings through words. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to laugh and cry as much. I mean, you're, your 14-year-old can come home and talk to you about the hard time they had at school. Um, And so, of course, laughter and crying is still important, but I trust me, like I've tried to tell my 16-year-old that he just needs to have a good cry, and maybe he does and maybe he doesn't, but it's certainly not in front of me. Right. Um, But what a great message to send him. Like, it's part of life. That's been a big conversation in my community around our boys and, Mm -hmm. and the messages that they're getting about emotions. Right. I mean, we don't have to go there because that's all again, a whole nother podcast. But, yeah, you know, I mean, it is we have got to we have got to change up the way that we're raising boys. Absolutely. To save the world. It's yeah. a, it's yeah. not a, it's not a small thing. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, when you see adults, I'm sure everybody can right now think of some adult they know who has a very full backpack. Oh, yeah. Um, they're they're explosive. You know, the people um, you, you cut yes. off in traffic and they have this tirade and scream at you. And, you know, that's a backpack issue. Yeah, um, or the world or the leaders who, that need to be emptying yeah. out their suitcases, right? It's not <laughs> exactly. even a back point at, backpack at this point. Yes. Yeah. 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 Totally. So get your child laughing every day and, um, and you'll find that that really helps them to just feel more calm and happy and, and be able to process those hard emotions. My son is going to totally let me turn him into a pizza. I can't wait. I'm going to Okay, good. <laughs> so bringing it back to the sibling transition, what are some, you know, and we know that this is all happening. And, and you know, granted, well-meaning parents, we read the books. Like, we can do everything, quote, right in the setup. And it's still a two- or a three-year-old making meaning out of what they see, right? So. Mm-hmm. So don't, I don't want anyone to feel like guilty or they've done something wrong. We can just up the likelihood. We can always up the likelihood that it's a smoother transition, right? Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the tools that you offer parents in that, in that thinking ahead towards that transition? Okay. So I think welcoming mixed feelings, um, you know, making sure um, that they have one-on-one time with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and even if your child's not expressing mixed feelings, if you think that they're having a hard time, you could even say something like, I wonder if you miss when it was just, mm. you know, me and you and daddy. I wonder is such a good yes. phrase because you're not putting, you're not saying, oh, this must be it. You must be feeling this way. But I wonder opens the door. And they might be afraid to express those mixed feelings because everywhere they go, everyone's telling them, oh, aren't you lucky? You're such a great right. big brother. And nobody's saying, oh, you poor kid. I really feel for you, <laughs> you know? So if they're particularly, um, you know, aware child, they're going to be, they're going to know the message is you should not feel angry or upset about this baby. You should not feel sad. So really opening the door for that, I think is really helpful to, to ease the transition. Um, also, I think that you, you know, actually tell your child, I will never love anyone more than you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they worry about that. She loves the baby more. Um, so, and I think that just as much as possible, just really dig deep for that empathy mm-hmm. and recognize how hard it is, how yeah. hard it is for your older child. Yeah. And they need to hear it in words and in action, right? So mm-hmm. I love that you brought up special time because that's you know, my next question was, it's so interesting, and I'm sure you have the same experience when parents come to you and 
they've got, you know, a, a young child and, and they come and express the behavior that's challenging in the moment. And then they just kind of offhandedly mention like, yeah, and I've got this eight month old and everything's right. fine there. And, and it's like, <laughs> oh, of course, this is the behavior that you're seeing. I often ask people, do you have a baby by chance? Right. And they're like, why, yes, I do have a baby. <laughs> I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Right. And And you know, don't you you think that the terrible twos are probably more about that people often have a second child when their first child is two? Well, we need to stop calling it that because... The threes and the fours are no picnic either. <laughs> no, no. And I think two-year-olds are wonderful. But yeah. I really often wonder, totally. like, yes, it's a challenging age, but made more challenging by the fact that often people will have another baby when their first child is two. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And do you feel like, I mean, because sometimes, the you know, younger sibling might be even 18 months or two years old and there's still that, that you know, I think sometimes you hear the word they've been, the older child's been dethroned or, mm-hmm. you know, but, but it's that shift in belief around how do I fit? And then after mm-hmm. time, if it's not addressed, mm-hmm. it, you know, they kind of fall into this role. Well, now I'm just the kid who is a problem. Right. And I think that that comes when the parent finds it hard to um, find that empathy mm-hmm. and understand where the kid's coming from. Because if you don't have that view, if you don't have that mindset, yeah. you would see your older child as a problem, yeah. um, you know, and the behavior is challenging. And um, if you can shift it to what I said before is that they're having a problem, right? then I don't know if you would get, you know, I, I doubt you would get that same um, 
the kid who who's making meaning by saying I'm a bad kid. Um, Because I think that starts with the parent saying you're a bad kid, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Even if they're not saying that outright, but, you know, the just the lack of the lack of understanding and empathy can lead a child to believe there's something wrong with me. Yeah. So so and I don't and I also when you said it can be down the road, I think um, different. I think it's important to remember that some kids might have the hardest time when your second child is a newborn and some might have the hardest time when the baby starts walking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really depends on, you know, depends on your family and, and your children. And there are different, you might go through the first six months thinking, oh, this is fine. But then as soon as the baby starts crawling, oh my gosh, you know? Right. right. Getting into the older siblings things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you mentioned siblings without rivalry. What a great book that is. I would encourage everybody I, to get their hands on that book. It is a good book, but if I could just say that even better book is Laura Markham's yes. um, Peaceful Parents, Happy Siblings. Siblings Without Rivalry. Um, can I can I talk about Sibling yeah, Rivalry totally. for just a second? Yes, yes. Siblings Without Rivalry was groundbreaking for when it was written. Um, but the authors really had, they, um, and I was a child of the 70s, so I can attest to this, um, the siblings were left to work things out themselves, which often means that the dominant sibling ends up getting their way because they don't actually know how to work things mm-hmm. out. Um, so if you just say, you know, it better th- better to let them work it out than for the parent to come in and make a pronouncement. But even better than that is um, what Laura Markham writes about in her book, which is how to help the siblings um, meet, basically being a mediator to help them work out their own solution. So they find a win-win solution that works for both of them. Um, does that make sense? So yeah, you, instead totally. of yeah, you're not you're not solving the problem for them. You're not leaving it leaving them to solve it themselves, but you're helping them speak to each other, just like a labor um, union mediator would between the the boss and the employees. Like they're presenting, you help them each present their side to each other. Um, and how you can do that for a baby who doesn't talk is you can kind of speak for the baby. Oh, you know, look at his face. I think mm-hmm. that he wants his rattle back. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not saying to the older child, give him back his rattle, but you're saying, look at the baby's face. I think he wants that back. So you're, you're speaking for the baby who can't speak for himself, but as they get older, you are helping each child to speak to each other. And then, you know, you can say, it looks like we have a problem. Who has an idea for how we can solve this? Yeah, and actually, I had Dr. Laura on the podcast. So listeners, episode 37, Dr. Markham is here, and she, you know, talked about all that. And I feel like she talked just about being like a coach, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think there is a time when we need to step out of the conflict, Mm -hmm. but not before we've actually helped our kids develop tools and skills for, Absolutely. For navigating the conflict, right? Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully you do it enough times and over the, you know, years of the early childhood mm-hmm. that someday you'll be in the kitchen and you'll overhear them saying, well, you know, I actually think this and what if we tried this? And, mm-hmm. you know, it, you they'd start to do it themselves. And it's funny. I was just talking about this in my membership program, but sometimes I have to, it's like a cycle for me. Like I stay out of it, I stay out of it, then I slowly creep back in and then I get to say, oh, hey guys, I just want to apologize. I've been way too involved in your problem solving, so I'm going to step out and that yeah. lasts for a while until I kind of creep back in and then I realize it. <laughs> it's really hard, it especially because we often get attached to our own story of what's happened. Like yeah, we, we can have so clearly ideas. see like who's right and who's wrong <laughs> and what they need to do to fix it, but that doesn't help them develop the skills themselves. For sure. For sure. So for listeners that are 
listening to this conversation that we're having, Sarah, and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a totally in this right now. And maybe they have been uh, sending, realizing that they've been sending messages they, they didn't mean to be sending to their older child and and in and, and realizing that that older child is simply responding to this new dynamic, this new world with the new sibling, what are some baby steps that you would offer for them to move towards deeper relationship and kind of cleaning up maybe the mess? <laughs> well, I think special time, and we haven't, we didn't talk about that too much, but and maybe you've talked about it on your podcast before, but instituting special time, like 15 minutes a day of mm-hmm. um, prescribed time with your child where you go into their world you know it's not making cookies or going out for a hot chocolate um, but you're actually joining them in their world of imagination and play um, you know letting them letting them lead the way for you and really getting into their world so 15 minutes a day of that with your older child will do wonders Mm -hmm. for helping you repair um, the relationship that may have suffered since the birth of the younger child um, and also really just your own mindset shift shift of seeing the misbehavior as a signal to you mm-hmm. and looking for positive intent. Um, like you talked about, they're trying to, um, they're trying to make meaning and it, and they're not so good at figuring out, you know, how to get their needs met, but really just look for the positive intent of your older child. Um, and, and also I had one thing that I wanted to say, which is, um, if you, look at your if you look at your language this is actually just like kind of a tip which mm-hmm. i think could be really helpful um when you have to when you're busy with the baby um instead of saying to your child i you know i can't help you right now i'll help you after i'm done feeding the baby if you shift your language to um something that doesn't involve the baby like um i'll help you when my hands are when my hands aren't busy mm-hmm. or um i'll help you um trying to think of another example but basically um you know, when the baby wakes up, you know, you can say your brother is your brother's going to be looking for you instead of, oh, I have to stop this, this play and go and get the baby. Right. But, you know, always try and reframe it so that the baby isn't always messing everything up. I love that. I love that. It's amazing what small tweaks in language can do both for us and in our come from, but also in how it's received by our kids. Thank you. For yeah, that. that's awesome. Sure. <laughs> So in the context of the sibling transition time and the <laughs> sleep-deprived parent, right, what does what does joyful courage mean to you? Um, I think that well, two things come to mind. One is putting aside our own story of, of worry and negativity of our child and just trusting that that love is enough, mm-hmm. um, you know, really just trusting in the love that we have and not getting attached to the worry and the fear. Um, I think that takes a ton, ton, ton of courage. Um, and also just to recognize that what you're doing is so hard. Mm. Um, you know, it's amazing that how many people do have more than one child, right? <laughs> um, cause it is hard. It's hard work. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I love that. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. So share with the listeners about where they can find you and what your offers are out in the world, Sarah. Sure. Well, I, um, I, as you mentioned before, I'm a coach, so I work with people one-on-one uh, virtually, so Skype or phone. So um, I do offer a free 20-minute short consult, um, and there's an application for that on my website if anyone wants to have a quick chat. I also ha- also my website is sarahrosensweet.com, mm-hmm. S-A-R-A-H-R-O-S-E-N-S-W-E-E-T. Um, I have a Facebook group 
that's called Peaceful Parenting with Sarah Rosensweet. If anyone's interested in being in a, a really safe space, um, Peaceful Parenting group, it's a really nice supportive group of parents. And um, I just launched a couple of weeks ago a free e-course of how to stop yelling at your kids, which is really, um, even if you're not a yeller, there's so much in here about emotion. Mm-hmm. It's a 21, 21 day, one email every day. It's totally free. And you can sign up for that on my website as well. And maybe you could put a, a link to that uh, sign up page. Yeah, I'll so put yeah, links to all of those listeners. Links great. to everything will be in the show notes, definitely. Great. Yay. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so lovely to be in conversation about this. I love talking about this little period of time because for me, it was so enlightening to learn more about what was actually happening versus what I could see at the surface level. So thank you. You're welcome. And I think that the hope I'd like to leave everybody with is that that um, it's really it is really hard, but there's a lot you can do to make it easier on yourself and and on your kids like a lot of the things that we've talked about and if you can only remember two things empathy and connection um those two things are going to carry you through like if you forget all the tips and tricks just remember empathy and connection because those are really the two big ideas i think that we need when we're in this time period yes love it thank you you're welcome such a great conversation and I think that so many of us just are surprised by what happens when that second child arrives and really grateful that Sarah would come on and and talk about that with me. I also want to let you know that in a couple days, actually Thursday, October 19th, Sarah is leading a virtual workshop about bringing home new baby and introducing new baby to the family. So if you are interested in that, go to her website, www.sarahrosensweet.com. On the navigation bar, head on over to workshops, click on introducing new baby, and you'll see a list of her virtual or in-person workshops, and you can register right there. So check that out. I'm sure that she would appreciate it. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so excited. I don't know how many of you follow me on Instagram. Who follows me on Instagram? You should. I mean, come on, head over there. I'm at joyful underscore courage. And I post all sorts of things, different things than I post on Facebook. Some of them are the same things that I post on Facebook, but you know, it's just another playground for us to connect. So head over there and follow Joyful Courage. And if you do, you will see that I'm super excited about this new product that I created called Monthly Intention Cards. And so what I've done is I've created a set of 31 cards. And on each card is a word or a phrase that exists as an intended way of being. And you can use these cards however you want. One of the ways that you can use them is you can pick a card every day and you can practice really embodying that intention in your family and with your family. My goal with these cards is just to support parents in the practice of being who they want to be on the parenting journey, which, hey, guess what? Life gets super busy. We get distracted. There's places to go and people to see and appointments to be late for. And sometimes inside of that, 
we forget that how we be really matters. So I've created these cards and I'm super excited about them. And so go on over to Instagram. I'm going to be talking about them more in my Instagram story and you can follow me there. And if you are thinking, uh, where do I get my hands on these cards? You can head on over to joyfulcourage.com slash intention cards joyfulcourage.com slash intention cards my hope is as I record this which is now last week when you're listening that they have arrived and that they will be ready to be purchased and if they haven't arrived yet then I'll have a little note there that says hey soon check back all right so check that out i'm always looking for new and different ways of supporting you in being that conscious parent and being that loving positive gentle parent that you want to be and this is just my latest attempt at that so check it out big huge thanks as always to my producer chris mann chris mann is the man thank you for all you do to make the show sound great and all of my listeners, I love you people. And I'm, you, you all are listening and you've heard me talk about the Live in Love with Joyful Courage group and you keep showing up and it's so fun. Thank you to all the new members of the Live in Love with Joyful Courage group. It's so fun to see you there and to get to know you. If you haven't joined that group and you happen to be on Facebook, come play with us. It's a really supportive, safe space for growing and supporting and celebrating our parenting journey, which holy cow, folks, it is on, right? It's on. So see you when I see you. Big, huge love. Keep the feedback coming. And I'll be back next week with a solo show. Bye. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.